Welcome to the CNS Podcast featuring Dr. Daryl Anaba, Research Director for CNS Productions. So, hi and welcome once again to the CNS Addiction Podcast. I'm Howard Lemire, here as always with Dr. Daryl Anaba. And uh, taking a scan of the news today, there is a whole bunch of interesting things. There's stories about uh, menthol, menthol cigarettes. The FDA is, is stirring the pot again, so to say. <laughs> with their, um, their new regulatory um, responsibility or, or authority, uh, taking a look quite seriously at, at, uh, at regulating or even um, doing away with menthol cigarettes. Now, that's going to cause some hue and cry. Uh, e-cigarettes also showed up in the news. I guess the uh, Supreme Court had something to say about that, and I don't have any background on that, but they've been in the news for the last couple of weeks. Uh, since, again, the FDA came out and um, uh, said that this was indeed a tobacco delivery device and they had authority. And then, Daryl, you have some interesting stuff on uh, brain research in mice and obsessive-compulsive behavior, I believe. Correct. So... Which of those things you want to start out talking about, or can we talk about all three of them at once, or <laughs> how do you want to go? I'm not sure how they all interact, but I'm certainly, uh, there's there's tremendous amount of news that, that uh, interests me about drugs and addiction, about our society and the way we're interacting with them. But I think the menthol one sort of tickles my fancy the most, mainly because we did a podcast on it a few months back, and it was one of the very few podcasts where we even got a response. Somebody put in to me a response, and that happened to be the American Tobacco Company right. trying to tell us that uh, our statistics were all wrong, we're not reporting it correctly, and I thought that was just, it was so ridiculous, their criticism of our podcast, and it was another way I've seen tobacco companies try to blur and confuse and mislead all kinds of t- statistics to boost their case, which... Um, made me feel that there must be a bigger story in this menthol thing than, than being said, and indeed it seems to be growing as a major story. Well, the the the, the point that they're making is that um, menthol is more attractive, it's more, maybe more addictive, although they're not coming out and saying that, but more from a marketing point of view. And, and it's marketing also that, that, that where they're involved with the with the e-cigarette, so food and drug authority and marketing, marketing advertising, is there a disconnect here? I mean... Well, yeah, the, you know, that's part of the story as well, a big part of it, that the FDA was given authority uh, as a trade-off. The American tobacco companies didn't want to see their products totally uh, blocked, so they, they allowed... Which is the logical thing to happen. Right. What the FDA did was they took authority over the regulating... Tobacco, and actually the story I think here is that the FDA seems to be sort of unsure or not dragging their feet because, again, the tobacco companies, either they're scientists or their their mechanism is so good at confusing the issue, they're, they're not sure which way to act on this. But it seems to be very clear that the big issue is that there is something going on with menthol, and we've seen this in the... Uh, uh, free-based nicotine and other stories that tobacco companies have ab- absolutely been trying to increase uh, the addictive nature of their products using as much science as they can. And there seems to be an indication that maybe menthol is, uh, is and has been and continues to be something they're uh, developing as well. The, the 
increase uh, uh, in percentage of smokers who smoke uh, menthol cigarettes, and the increase in just menthol smoking, uh, menthol-related cigarettes alone has increased uh, up to 34% in the market right now. So it, it represents a, a huge portion of tobacco industry revenues, and it's not something they want to back down on or, or give away easy. The FDA regulated chocolate-flavored f- smoke and right. uh, fruit-flavored smoke because they were too uh, conducive to young people abusing it and also maybe in milder in- inhalation, but uh, they, re- they did not act on menthol, and now the evidence seems to be that menthol uh, is causing maybe a greater degree of addiction, uh, uh, a greater ease of taking it deep down into your lungs and holding it longer than regular uh, smoke because it, menthol is a, is a mild local anesthetic, so it's going to deaden uh, your response to the harshness of smoke, and then it adds a flavor to it. And I still believe that it uh, was targeted or the African-American community was especially targeted for menthol, the coups and the Newports and things like that. And when you look at the statistics, I think we're still right. They're still quoting that uh, 70% of the uh, African-Americans who smoke cigarettes smoke menthol compared to only 20% of whites who smoke cigarettes who smoke menthol and 26% of Hispanics. Well, why is that? You know, why is there a greater percentage in one ethnic group of smoking one type of cigarette over right. another? And I think it was uh, part of the marketing. There's also uh, part of that story was that uh, in African Americans, because of uh, their genetic metabolic system, metabolic system, have a much higher degree of cotinine, a uh, byproduct of uh, nicotine metabolism that stays in the body longer, which may make it more difficult to kick. And indeed, they're finding that people, uh, some studies, of course, this is all being confronted by and counter claims offered by the tobacco industry, but it seems that there are, it is harder for people who smoke uh, mentholated cigarettes to kick it than people who smoke regular cigarettes. So I think there there is a story brewing here, and we got to sit and watch, see how the FDA is going to act on it. We certainly know how the tobacco company is going to act on it. I think we got a pretty good idea. They already gave us their piece of their mind, which I thought was fascinating, Mm -hmm. that that they would try and say we're misquoting facts because if you look at the actual number of um, people who smoke mentholated cigarettes— there were much more white smoking methylated cigarettes, but they weren't looking at the. But that percent. wasn't the point. No, our point was that percentage. for those people who smoke, what percentage of smoke methylated versus what percentage don't smoke methylated? So, uh, if we get that kind of reaction from the industry over some little small story we're doing or just talk uh, that we talk in general on this show, something's brewing. I think something is brewing. Yeah, and the same with the uh, the same with e-cigarettes. Which, as as I mentioned before, I've been toying with in my own addictive uh, um, addictive uh, quest. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's, it's still an experiment uh, ongoing, I guess. Well, but a lot of people are finding it of value uh, to get away from regular cigarettes, and of course, the the tobacco industry is not going to like that either. Yeah, because uh, somebody else owns e-cigarettes and right. solutions. But the but the thing there is, I think that it's a claims. It's it's a claims of the manufacturers of e-cigarette 
uh, of e-cigarettes who are making either a direct or, or tacit claim that it's safer, it's less addicting, it's not as problematic. And I think that's the issue because there there really hasn't been a lot of research or testing or comparison being right. done. And uh, until that's done, of course, uh, I don't think they're, they should be able to make those claims, and that's what the FDA is claiming, but the cigarette makers are claiming, well, you know, it costs so much to do the type of research you right. want, and definitely this does not have the byproducts and the carcinogens and the wide number of substances that you say is, is basically more damaging to the body and lungs and cigarettes than the actual nicotine itself. We're just basically producing a pure form of nicotine right. and making it available in a safer form. So uh, I think, I don't know if it's wrong. I, I kind of agree with the FDA flexing their muscle in this case, saying, look, nicotine or tobacco comes under our authority. The e-cigarette saying, well, it ain't tobacco. <laughs> it's nicotine we're providing, not tobacco. Right. So... Uh, I think there should be some sort of regulation or, or looking at and looking at the evidence base so that they can make appropriate claims or not appropriate claims, and the American public can be uh, ad- adequately uh, informed and accurately informed about what it is about e-cigarettes uh, right. that they should worry about and what it is that that makes them better than cigarettes. Right. Well, you know, I was also uh, fascinated by a, nori- uh, a story, <laughs> a story on CNN today. Uh, about uh, some projections on raising the booze tax, raising the tax on oh, alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. You know, because I, uh, I didn't realize uh, how effective it would be, but according to the the quoted study, that doubling the current state taxes, just doubling the state taxes on sales of alcohol, uh, which would uh, raise it up to 50 cents more per uh, six pack of, of beer or bottle of wine, just fifty cents. That's all it's going to add. But the projection from these scientists is that it would reduce alcohol-related deaths by thirty-five percent. Yeah, I kind of wondered about those numbers. They seemed ex- out of proportion. The, the, I think because we have such high numbers of fatalities due to alcohol, you know, maybe one hundred thirty thousand deaths. And by raising it, maybe taking it out of the hands of some people who can't afford it. I think that's what they're projecting. They say also will reduce fatal car crashes by something like 11% and reduce even STDs or sexually transmitted diseases by 5%. Uh, there would be 2% less violence, 1, 1.4% less crime, according to the study. And that means that's a great impact huge impact from just a little bit increase in the price of beer and wine and maybe price of whiskey i think you know you compare the price though you know raising it 50 cents versus the hundreds of billions of dollars we're spending on the cost of all the deaths and the accidents and and the health problems that alcohol causes it seems like a slam dunk i mean it's it's the trade off is so much better that we would we would want to raise it, but you're right. I think the the conservative alcohol and the alcohol industry, conservative element in the United States and the alcohol industry, uh, would certainly scream foul at this and well, do uh, all they can to prevent it. Yeah, and, and actually, one of the stories I I read there was the convenience store association was uh, 
uh, testified about the about the menthol cigarettes, saying that this would be a bad deal and this would introduce a black market in menthol cigarettes. I think that's pretty serious. Well, that's, and so, that is interesting. I mean, it, it it does hold out that potential of of then moving outside of uh, outside of the outside of the law. And of course, part of the intrigue of raising the taxes is on the part of government is more tax revenue. Yeah, it, it's always interests me about uh, about redistributing wealth or how you're going to do it because it just means that the uh, the convenience store is no longer going to make as much money as they're making uh, by not selling methylated cigarettes or increasing the the cost of beer and wine. Uh, and if there's going to be a black market, just change it hands over to somebody else making that money right. on a different way. And there already are have been cases of people smuggling things like cigarettes from Canada. Oh yeah, and then smuggle. I do. You know, there's a story. I mean, smuggling cigarettes is a big business around the world, right? Because of uh, less taxes in one nation or one society over another. So uh, it's it's an interesting question of who do we, who do we want to make the money? I guess right. Well, as I'm fond of saying, which I stole from Deep Throat, and I think he stole it from someone else, follow the money. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk more about all these things, uh, I'm sure, because they're all interesting and they keep popping up in the news. Um, and as ever, those of you listening, comments and questions, most welcome. Um, stop by the website, which is cnsproductions.com. Drop us a note there. Thanks, Daryl. Hey, great, great news stories today, Howard. That wraps our pod for today. Thanks for visiting the CNS Podcast. Please check back soon for the next in the series and visit our website, www.cnsproductions.com.